0: Our verse this month is our verse for the entire year and it's talking about being the light of the world and our Rhema the word that God has spoken over the church for this year is that we are the light and we want to be the light so let's get started with that verse you are the light of the world a city set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand And it gives light to all in the house. So the first thing I want us to notice before we actually get into the teaching is that the first place we are called to be a light is where? In the home. The hardest place. The hardest place to be a light is to be a light among people that know us the best. Love us the best, sure, but know us the best. Even Jesus said, it's really hard to do miracles around my friends and family because they don't have the faith of other people. So he's called us to be a light on a stand in our home first. Now what I'd like to do is start out this morning with a story. It's a true story, it happened about a decade ago and I read about it. And I was, as I was thinking about our identity, what Jesus has spoken over us as light, it reminded me of this story. And what happened was, there was a woman who went on an expedition And it was a group of people, and they were exploring a volcano in Iceland. And this took, you know, several hours. They were exploring the craters and the fissures and all the different things that that involves. And so at some point, this particular woman that the story was talking about had decided she needed to go change her clothes. I don't know if they got wet. I don't know if she failed, but for some reason she left the group, went and changed clothes, and came back. Well, when she came back, she heard them talking. There's a, mo- there's a woman missing. Someone's missing. We don't know where she is. We don't know where she's gone. And the woman started getting along the people she was with. And she's like, what do you mean there's a woman missing? So the tour guide gave a description of the woman from the tour who was missing. And the woman joined the search party. So the Coast Guard was called out. A helicopter was dispatched. 50 people from the surrounding area came searching for this missing woman, including the missing woman herself. So about three in the morning, I'm sure they weren't still looking in the dark, but about three o'clock in the morning, someone said, hey, I think you're the person we're looking for. I wish it hadn't been a woman. I wish it had been a man, but anyway. And they're like, she's like, what do you mean that description doesn't sound anything like me? That doesn't sound like me. That's not, that wasn't describing me. But everybody else is like, yes, you are that woman. So everybody goes home, the thousands of dollars that were spent. And I was thinking about that story as we're talking about being the light of the world and who we are in Christ. And I thought, man, that sounds a lot like Christians today. Some of us. Many of us, we are searching and searching for our identity, for who we are in Christ, for what we are in Christ, for why we are in Christ. And Jesus has already given us a description of who we are, of what we are. He's given us a description in his word. This is who you are. And one of the things that he said is, you are the light. Remember, Jesus first came saying that he was the light. But he knew he was going to the Father. So at that point, he turns to his disciples and you and me and says, now you are the light of the world. And I believe that if we can just believe the description God has written about us in his word. I don't want to be like that woman who didn't recognize herself because she didn't believe what the description was about her. She might have thought, well, I I don't look like that or I'm thinner than that. Or I'm prettier than that, or I'm whatever. But when she was described, she didn't recognize the truth about herself. So I'm asking you this morning if for, for two things. The first is that we will believe the description that God has written about you. Now, this thing that I'm talking about today is for believers, it's for people that have accepted the work. Christ on the cross and to those of us that are followers of Christ this is what he says about us it's it's interesting because I what I see in in myself and other people is we try to forge an identity of our own and that identity is made up of things of course that our parents spoke over us things that we read in a book, things that our friends have said, what we learn on social media. We, we, all of these things are compiled together in our mind and we kind of end up with a, kind of like a Frankenstein picture of ourselves. We cobble together other people's opinions and we cobble together what was said of, to us as a child and we end up with, with an identity. There are good things too you might be a good person, you might be a generous person, you might be a person that, that, that loves your community, whatever. There are good things about our identities, but when we try to cobble together what we think we should look like or desperately searching for an identity, we end up settling for so much less than what Christ has already said. This is who you are. This is, accept this. This is, you don't have to try to be this. You are the light of the world. You are this. So let's look at a couple of the things we want to make a point about this. And before I keep going, I want to just give a little plug. Because if we get through the next few minutes and you think, I, mean, I really, I, you know, I, I believe what she's saying, but I don't even know where to start. Let me encourage you to get Pastor Peter's second book. He's becoming a prolific writer. And this really points you in the right direction. It gives you the why and the what of who God has said that you are. The truth. The facts about who God has said that you are. So, well, let, me, let me read this first. And I'm going to tell you another story. These are the things that God has said about you. And we're talking, focusing this month on the light of the world. We're complete in Him. This is, of course, a small snippet of the things that God says about our identity when we are in Christ, when the blood of Jesus covers us. There's just a few of them, but we don't have time to go into all of them. We have the peace of God. We're redeemed. He satisfies us. And we're deeply loved by God. Now, let me tell you why it's important that you First of all, know what the description is about who you are and that you believe the description about who God says you are. I read, I read a little um, science fact and it was about um, air navigation. Now, those of you that know me know air travel is my least favorite way to travel. I would rather drive for three days than fly for three hours. And that's what my husband has had to live with for the last 46 years. Not that I don't travel by air, but it's my least favorite way to do it. But I read something called the one in 60 rule. Has anybody heard of that? A couple of you have, yes. The one in 60 rule, which says that for every degree that you are off on your trajectory, for every one degree you're off, by time you fly 60 miles, you will be one mile off in your destination. And if you're in a car, you know, one mile, it's not a big deal. You turn around in five minutes, you've found the place. But in the air, that can be quite, quite a thing. It can be the difference between landing on land and landing in the water. Your trajectory when you're in the air matters. But let me just propose to you that the trajectory of your thoughts is also important, just as important. Because if in just one, one, let's just take one of these areas and our thinking is one degree off. Yes, I know God said that about me. Yes, it's a description that he said about his children. But I, really? So let's just say, you're 1 degree off in being told and believing you are complete in Christ if you're just a little bit 1 degree off in believing you are complete in Christ that makes you want that makes me want to think i have to earn something i have to do something that 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 the work of the cross that where jesus said it is finished isn't quite enough And I need to do something else to add to what Jesus has said, it's complete, it's finished. And you can imagine living your life as a Christian, thinking erroneously that I have to add something to that finished work. That I'm not quite complete. I need to, let's look at another one. Let's, Let's look. He says that you are deeply loved by God. Not because of what you did last night or what you're going to do tomorrow, but as you are covered in the blood of Jesus, you are deeply, deeply loved. So let's suppose that your thinking is one degree off. Just a little. Can't possibly, cannot possibly mean that. That can't possibly be true, that I am deeply and utterly and completely Loved by God. And when you don't believe the truth of what he has described about who you are, your identity, you find yourself doing some pretty crazy things to earn love, to seek love, to feel love. Am I the only one that's done a crazy thing in her life trying to look for love or to feel like I'm loved? But the truth is I am deeply loved let's say my husband doesn't perfectly show me love one day hypothetical question but let's just pretend that he doesn't show me love perfectly yeah we can have a conversation about it honey please you know rub my foot or whatever i don't even know why but to know that i am already utterly and deeply loved by god that makes a difference It makes a difference in my identity. It makes a difference to know I don't have to have everyone liking me or loving me to be complete in Christ. Amen? I want to make sure y'all are still awake. I want to make sure y'all aren't going, that's not talking about me. This is what Christ says about us, that you are deeply loved. And So that's why it's important that your thoughts Your identity line up with what God has said to be true about you. I guess I should look at my notes at some point, right? God says, this is you. This is you. This is what I see when I see you. This is your identity. This is who you are. And how much time and effort and energy would we save if we just rested and believed That this is who we are. There's many others, of course. This is who we are. We don't have to strive. We don't have to substitute. We don't have to depend on other people to make us feel special. Because we are already special. To the only one who really, truly matters. Amen? Okay. And when we don't, if we don't, Allow this identity that Christ has given us freely for our belief in who he said he is. If we don't accept that identity and we don't embrace that identity, it doesn't take root in our heart. It doesn't, the the roots don't grow down deep. And that's where our fruit comes from from really believing and truly understanding that you are deeply loved. You are to be satisfied in Christ. You have the peace of God every day and when you need it. When those things, your identity takes root in your heart, that's when you have good works and fruit coming out. Okay, so let's keep going. We embrace our identity, why? Why is it important that you know you are loved? That you know you are accepted? That you know you are beloved? Why is that important? So that we will, who will be glorified? God. God will be glorified. The purpose of all of this, if you are a believer, is so that God will get the glory. Not me, not you, but God will get the glory. In the same way, It's referring back to the verse we just started with. In the same way that you let your light shine in the home, and that that light in the home shines into those dark corners, those dark emotions that your children might have, those dark arguments that you and your spouse might have, that light is to shine in the home. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. Give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, what is God's plan for letting the world know that he is a good God? What was his plan? The creator of the universe, infinite power, as Pastor Davis said, all glory. What was his plan for letting your neighbor, your community, know that he is a good God? Well, The plan is me and the plan is you that is his plan for letting the world for let's bring it back from the world for letting your community and your next door neighbor and the people across the block from you that's god's plan that's his idea of how he wants them to know that he's a good god and so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who's in heaven And we can, if we're not careful, we can get caught up in thinking, okay, it's my good works. You already told me I don't have to do any kind of thing to earn it, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about the good works that come out of a heart that has been rooted in the truth. Light shining before others isn't about what you possess. Letting your light shine before others is not about what you possess And I'm thankful for that because many people possess more than I do. And if it's about something I possess, a certain car, a certain house, a certain, you know, um, salary, a certain state of health, a certain state of my marriage, whether I'm married, whether I'm single, it's not about what I possess. Letting my light shine before others is about what I display, what I display the fruit in my life that I display. The gifts that God has placed in me that I stir up and I use for his kingdom. It's about what we display. Jesus himself said that the kingdom of God is not about what we eat. It's not about what we drink. It's not about those things. It's about what we display for him. Okay, so. I'm going to watch my time here. This, I'll just say briefly, this morning, the enemy... The Bible calls him our adversary. Another place it calls him Satan. He would love nothing more than for you to be overwhelmed by the darkness that you see. Just there's, Things are so bad, there's nothing that my light can do. It's so bad it's, that you feel overwhelmed. And you don't want to just shine your light. You don't want to have your light shining because there's so much wrong. People are calling good evil. And they're calling evil good today. And you're just overwhelmed. And he would love you to say, your light doesn't matter. It does not matter how you act. It doesn't matter the things that you, it doesn't matter. The darkness is overwhelming. Or he might try to make you feel inadequate. That's all you've got to offer. This is it. Look at so-and-so. They have so much more to offer God than you. That's another tactic to make you feel inadequate or to make you feel like you are unqualified. Have you ever looked at yourself and compared yourself to someone else and felt less than? It's a common thing. It's it's very common. We all do it. But the Bible says, in him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Another translation says the darkness cannot extinguish the light. And I love that. No matter how dim your light is, no matter how small your flame is, darkness cannot overwhelm that. It cannot extinguish it. It cannot cannot overcome it. Your light is there for a reason. And I don't care if your light is a candle. I don't care if your light is a matchstick. I don't care if your light is a torch. The darkness cannot overcome it. And he wants us to walk in that identity that you You are the light of the world, and you are my rep. You are the only one I'm sending to show the world that I am good, and I love them. He wants to use you, your light. You are the light of the world, and if we just, if we compare ourselves, if we think, oh, it's not much, if we get overwhelmed by the darkness, we will not use our light. That is his only tactic is to keep you from being the light of the world. Amen. Amen. You are the light of the world. Walk in that identity. You are the light of the world. I don't know why he made that plan. It seems like a pretty ridiculous plan to me when he's all powerful. But that's his plan. If you don't show mercy, if you don't show goodness, if you don't show kindness, if you don't show justice, the world will not see that God is good. Because his children are not acting like their father are acting is acting, you are the light of the world. Well, I want to close with um, how I started. Northwest. Oh goodness, I thought I had. All right, never mind. The Bible talks in a revelation about the churches and he, uh, the apostle wrote um, admonitions to these seven churches. They were actual physical churches, but they also represented churches to come from, from then on. And so Northwest is one of those churches. No, we're not listed in revelations, but we are a church that is on a lampstand in this city. And we are a church on a lampstand in this city because we proclaim Christ and we proclaim him crucified. So that makes us alive on a lampstand in this city. And we have a specific job, like every church does. The Bible says, don't compare yourselves among yourselves. And we don't do that. We don't compare ourselves to another church. God has a specific assignment for them. And he has a specific assignment for us that is crafted by the passion in our people, by the gifting of our body, and by the commitment of the leadership in this church. And we are a city on a lampstand. And we we refuse to let that lamp be dimmed. We're not going to do it like another church, but we are going to do what God has called us to do. And you are a part of that. You, your passion, your gifting, your commitment, your attendance, your giving is all a part of being a light on a lamp in Orlando. And we have seen God bless our efforts to be obedient with, with allowing us to purchase land with allowing us to have favor with the city. And we are thankful for that. But I wanted to share just one thing. I want to introduce Emily, since our church Since our church is not a political organization, but we get involved and we vote. And our church isn't a civic organization, but we are concerned that we're in this city. We started the lovely project, I don't even know how many years ago, but she will tell you all that. But this is Emily. All of you know her. She's been a part of the body for decades now. But she is the what what, what title do we give you? The the president, Um, the chief? I don't know. The one that wears all the hats that organizes everyone. And she's gonna share one of the one of the ways that we are light. On a lamp in this city.
1: Hey, so as Dr. C said, the Lovely Project is a light for our city because not only are we bringing girls here with our event on Saturday, we have groups here. Woo, yes, but one woo. But but we but we meet girls where they're at. We take the Lovely Project, and if you're unfamiliar, um, it was one of our church ministries where we work with young girls sharing with them, that they have incredible value. They have a voice and they have value. And we do that through curriculum and mentorship and big fun events, but we're meeting them in their schools and in their, uh, we've gone to mental health facilities and community centers, and we will go wherever the girls are because we are passionate about this. And, um, I wanted to briefly just share one story that I think is impactful. Uh, Several years ago, we were at the University Behavioral Center in um, UCF, and the girls there were in an inpatient residential program. And so we would go every week, and we got special permission for them to come to our event. And, um, the girls that were there were there for different reasons. They were there for, um, drug and alcohol abuse. They were there for, uh, mental health struggles. They were there because some of them were even, uh, human trafficking victims. And so when we would go every week, we would work with these girls and we got to meet a girl named Tara. And, um, Tara was, had a really tough story like they all did but what was unique about her story is she was so young. And so we got to see her grow and um, start to change the narrative of who she was and who she can be. And when she left um, the the center, she, you know, went to on on with her life. And she wasn't from Orlando, so we lost touch with her. But she recently reached out to Kim Stagg, who is just wonderful. And she does everything for Lovely and this church. She, if you... No, Kim, you love her. And she sent Kim this message recently and I wanted to share it with you. It said, hey Kim, you may not remember me. And that's completely fine. But around 2017, I was in a rehab, a center for six months. I was only 12. And we went to one of the lovely events and you and a couple of the ladies would come and talk to us. And though it's been years, I haven't forgotten. I'm now 18. I'm graduated from high school, and I'm more than happy with my life. I've been clean for years, and I just wanted to reach out and say thank you. It may seem small, but I still remember it to this day." And so, it's so powerful, you know, being able to be a small part of young girls' stories because she remembers all the things that she learned, the love that was instilled in her, and that carried on with her, with her life. Um, so we have an event coming up. We have a really special event called the Lovely Project Experience. And I look out and I see how many people make this event possible, so many, so many. And um, when we it's a really fun day, it's a really exciting day, but it's a life-changing day. And when we say it's life-changing, we even market it like that. We're like, it's a life-changing day for girls, and that sounds dramatic, right? Like, what, this party day is gonna change my life? But we can say that confidently because it has. It's been a starting point, a turning point for girls that are here at our church. And I wanted just to mention them because I think it's so important that we, we can celebrate and be encouraged by the work that so many people in this room to do together um, girls like Grayson. We, if you have ever interacted with Grayson, she is a light and she is bursting with light in every room that she's in. And Grayson is on the kids leadership team. She does, uh, the list is long of what Grayson does. If you know her, you, you love her. And, um, she came because she came and sat right here at a lovely project experience. The same with um, Emily Wafer. Emily is a big part of our kids' church. She was a director at Boys and Girls Club many years ago and brought a group of girls, and she said publicly, she said, something was different here. She stayed here. She got connected here. She found her husband here. She has a family here. And it's, like, it's so cool to be a part of, of something that's so much bigger. It's so cool to see God moving in our schools and in our city um, and using the Lovely Project as a tool. So we have a little clip for you, and we wanted to invite you to our event Saturday. If you have any girl in your life, whether it's a niece, your daughter, a friend, whoever, they need to be here. They need to experience this. So we will show you the
0: clip. Lovely. is just one of the lights that we have in this church. We have many other ministries and outreaches, and we invite you, if God has stirred a passion in your heart to start something, to be a part of something, um, this is your chance to be a light. And so I'm going to actually ask Emily to pray over us. She doesn't know I'm doing this, but she, she has a gifting, or as we say in Christian circles, there is an anointing on her for unsaved people to be led to Christ. She has a heart for these girls and she will go to any place, no matter how dark to reach them. So I'd like her to pray over us that we can all be a light or however God directs her. Dear Heavenly Father, thank
1: you for bringing us here today. God, we, we never want to take the act of gathering together for granted. And I just pray that you would stir up within us how we can serve you, how we can be used for your will. And we just pray that we could be a light in our world, whether it's through a ministry or even just talking to our neighbors, our coworkers. God, our identity is in you. We just pray that you would help us see how our giftings that you give us can be used for good. We thank you for the work that you're doing in this body and the work that you're doing in our city through all the different ministries, through the lovely project. We pray for the event on Saturday that more girls, more Graysons, more Emily's, more Tara's would come through our doors, God. And we just thank you for the work that you're doing and you continue to do in all of us. Amen.
0: Amen.